0: Morning, everybody, and welcome again. Merry Christmas! If I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne, I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and uh, we have been in this this month talking about four big words that you see all over at Christmas time: peace, hope, joy, and love. So we say them, we see them, we decorate with them. They're on our coffee mugs. Uh, it's all around at Christmas time uh, this week. I got a card in the mail, or some kind of—it's actually really a pamphlet from the university that I went to, and they're like, "Hope abounds." And I said, "Well, that means they want money, right?" <laughs> like, and so like we use it for everything. Like, they're like, "It's hope," like it's Christmas time, so we're going to use this word, and it's going to make you feel like we're hopeful, so we get alumni money from you. Like that's just like it's used all over in every kind of way. And so we, we associate Christmas with these words. But because it's everywhere, and we've, 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 we've grown up for many of us seeing that every year, even if you've not been religious or e- at all, like you still see that around, it, it, you know, it just kind of becomes in the background. And we think about these words as we think about them really in our daily lives. And, and however you interpret that word, but as Christ followers They have a much richer and deeper meaning that goes way beyond what we typically know. And it's why they are so much a part of Christmas time. And so this month, we've been recapturing these words and why they are here at Christmas. Whether you're pursuing faith, you have no faith, or or you've been following Christ for years, you're invited into this conversation, and I pray it brings great meaning into your life at Christmas. And so today I want to read a little bit from more of the Christmas story, and specifically around the shepherds. And we've been singing a little bit about it today. But we're going to talk about joy. Talk about joy. And This is something that we all long, we all long to have. And so I'm going to read from Luke 2. And it says here, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken from the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And I love these details that Luke gives because it shows us a specific time in history. This is a real event that happened. It says everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And That's a very significant theme because this line of David uh, had been specifically tracked for hundreds of years. And we have the exact genealogy because there was a promised Messiah that was to come out of the line of David. Says he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, and that's a massive statement. If you went this, you know this, but but uh, they were engaged and expecting a child. That was a huge thing to not have happened in that culture, punishable in incredible ways. It's 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 crazy. And so this is giving us very interesting details of the culture at that time of what how people would have viewed them in a negative way. And it says here, they went to this town and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And so what do we see? We see circumstances that are hard, that are not easy. And all of this is because of God working directly in their lives. Isn't that interesting? It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, directly shows up. It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the shepherds were freaking out. All right. That's a modern day translation of terrified. I mean, you would too. Mary was terrified when the angel appeared to her to to tell her that she was going to conceive and have a son. Like, And rightfully so, like what is going on? I can't imagine. It says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, for everyone, including the shepherds. And what I love about this is, is God showing up and doing the birth announcement to the shepherds was significant because they were, considered, you know, they weren't allowed in religious ceremonies. They were considered to be unclean. Many of them would have been considered to be uneducated. They didn't quite advance up in the tiers of life. And they were pushed out in many kinds of ways or viewed differently or whatever it would have been. And so here was God saying, "No, you matter. Everyone matters. I've come for you, even though maybe religiously you've been pushed out. God does not view you that way. And I love this. And so it's significant that he announces this to the shepherds. I've come to bring great joy for all the people, for everyone. And then it continues. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is happening. He says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And then God blows it up. I love it. He says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Wow. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Love it. Which the Lord has told us about. It's very personal. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love this. The shepherds were pumped. I mean, they were known in an unreal way by God. He showed up to them. He knew where they were. Sent his angels to, 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 to share this incredible news. They got to hear the birth announcement. It's incredible. God's like, you guys put Christmas magnets on cards. i send angels to show up in the sky. You put Christmas, I, what did I say? Christmas cards on refrigerators. My brain is working weird. Anyway, uh, there you go. But I, instead of a Christmas card, I do this. <laughs> they were, No, my God. And what we look at that and we see, this is joy, right? This is what we see as joy and happiness and excitement. That's what we all usually associate fully with the word joy. It's just this excitement and happiness. And I love it. And it is joy, right? That is joy. That is a part of it. But today I want to introduce a, a part of God that is, it is essential for us. And it has to do with joy. And it's a time when we need to follow God the most. And so understanding how important this specific thing is, is key and important to, to really understanding and experiencing real joy in all things. Joy is real. It's something that God has made us for. The word joy is all throughout scriptures in all kinds of ways. But the joy that we see here in the shepherds in this excitement is just part of the joy that God gives us. It's not the full picture of the word. And so when the angels were announcing Christ's birth, they were also, also introducing the reason why joy, any joy, can exist and in all walks of life, in all circumstances. Yes, even in pain and suffering. See, because of Jesus, as Christians, we believe in and experience a joy that is deeper and richer than what we usually associate with the Word. It comes from and during times of hardship and troubles yeah you can find joy in the valleys of life that's what i want to uh, talk about a little bit is the times in our lives where we go through what we would call a valley it's interesting the scriptures refer to it if you read through the psalms it is so real and personal of of walking through times of desperation and sorrow and many times it's referred to as a valley and so in valleys When it's referred to in Scripture, it's usually places of battles or loneliness or desperation, anxiety, depression. But God wants you and I to experience in those times growth. He wants to build our faith. He wants you to experience Him in a much deeper and real way. And many times that's only possible in those places. So we may enjoy God on the mountaintop. You may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. And there is a deeper joy. There is a deeper foundation that is to be had through those times. Most likely, some of the most joyful people that you meet in life are someone who's walked through hardship and dark times. They know the joy of life. They could be faking it, and that eventually crashes. But for me, the most joyful people are some of the people that have experienced the most pain. It's unbelievable. That's not what we usually think about. So what I want to do is introduce to you some words that we see and are common all throughout scriptures of God-fears, people who love God, talking about their hope in God talking about their happiness in Him and their joy in Him. And I'm to focus today on Psalm 84, a couple of verses, verses 5 through 7. And this is amazing. It starts off saying, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Whose strength is in you. This word, blessed are those. You know, and if, if you've grown up in any kind of church culture, a lot of times you say, well, bless you, or, you know, like that, that comes up a lot, like you're blessed in this, and it, it feels like a very churchy word. And so and we got it, we see this in, in translations and scriptures. It means really happy are those, joyful are those. You know, Jesus uh, gave the Beatitudes, what we call the Beatitudes, where he says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, Blesses, blessed are those who seek out his righteousness, and, and all these things, he uses words, and it meant really happy are those. It's amazing. We, we love that word. We're like, all right, I want to find what it means to be happy. Well, this is what it says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in God, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, it's this, this scripture verse is loaded. This, it's a psalm. It's loaded with all these very specific metaphors. So the Valley of Baca was a desert country. It would have evoked a very specific imagery to help them understand what he's talking about. It would have been full of thorns, wild animals, and vipers and dangers and whatever else you could find. It would have been or nearly impossible to travel without facing some kind of trouble and hardship. That's what the Valley of Baca represented. So for, for them personally, the Valley of Baca was really about a valley of tears, a valley of weeping, a valley of loss. So this imagery of like, we love to be in the mountains, but then the, the valley is a valley of tears. This is what it's talking about. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. If they set in the pir- pilgrimage, they're on their way to, to God, a place of peace, is what it's saying. And it eventually ends with, until they each appear before God in Zion. But It says, as they pass through this valley, this time, they make it a place of springs. They find a way to, to, to be part of joy. This is interesting. For me, I remember a time where I, I entered into a, a, a valley, what I would call a valley experience. I had, been, I, I had been living in the Northeast, specifically I'd been in New England. I had moved to Rhode Island, and I was part of a, a church there. And I, I, I had, really, it was in such a different culture, and I loved it. And I poured myself into it. And I remember feeling such purpose. I, felt I had been praying for God to, to lead me into a, a place and a circumstance like this, and I could feel God moving in my life. It was a great life-changing exciting time. I was I felt like the, the 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 desires that I had to be part of churches in areas where there weren't many and and there there I was a part of communities that were starting churches and there was a struggle in that and I loved that and God was just moving in my life but it wasn't a permanent thing. I didn't fully understand that at the time I was younger. But it, became, it began to be unstable. Financially, it wasn't supported long term, and I knew that. And so there began to be a time where I knew that change was coming. I could see it. Circumstances began to change significantly. And I began to pray. I saw change coming. And I began to seek God, knowing that this was happening. And the change that came was not what I wanted. It was a job offer in a much different area and state further away. And it was the only thing I had to do. And I took this position. And I was devastated. I was devastated. I felt like I didn't know what God was doing. I felt like I had been on this trajectory in this specific way, and it felt like it had completely changed. I didn't know if I had made the right decision or not. I didn't know what, you know, I was young, and I was confused, and I I was hurt, and I, and, and I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't see any kind of trajectory or hope in the in the horizon. And so for me, I had... Had uh, going from this place with great life change and exciting time to deep in the valley. I didn't know how long I would be in this place. My heart had been somewhere else, and I was confused. Things didn't go exactly how I wanted to, my circumstances changed, but God's work and story in my life wasn't was hadn't changed. And so but my response, my response at the time even though I, I didn't know what God was doing, my response was to go to him. And it was for me, it was a literally a valley of tears. I would be by myself in this apartment and I'd be crying out to him and saying, God, what is going on? It felt very lonely. But I poured into him and I got to know him in that valley in a way that I had never, never done before. And I just continued to seek Him. And I began to make it a place of springs. I began to invest in where I was and to build relationships. And my first apartment was really far away from where everything was. I just didn't feel like that. I began to move. After the first year, I moved closer. I had roommates. I just got engaged. I developed great relationships and just poured my life into that and made it a place of springs. And God grew me in that. And I was able to to, put myself in a better place financially. And all of this, he was laying a foundation for me to get back where he he was calling me to be. And it was part of the story that allows me to be where I am now. And I look back on that with joy because of the intimacy that I developed with God. And I can see how he was working in my life, even though I didn't understand it. I loved it. Psalm eighty-four, five. It says, "Blessed are those whose strength is in you." You. Last week we talked about hope, and we long for hope, and we 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 typically tie our hope to circumstances, and that's dangerous because circumstances go up and down, variants come in and blow everything up, and right like our hope, like if our hope is in circumstances, it just crashes us. But our hope is in God, as a deeper hope. Our strength is also in Him, and joy comes from that. And there's nothing like going to Him and all these things. If you don't know God personally, what you have is all that you have. And as long as that's working out, you feel okay. But when it doesn't, we're devastated. And that's why we need God. I find it interesting. It says, it doesn't say, blessed are those who make it on their own. Who make it on their own. And this is tough for you and I because one of the reasons why we love living here and and we're here in the city is because we're really good at making it on our our own. We're able to execute life and do things at a very high level. We love the challenge that it brings. It kind of brings us joy and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it it also pushes us to the place to think, I can do everything on my own. And there's something in probably almost all of us here that's similar in that way. And so it's hard for us to admit we need to depend upon someone. But you are limited. You know the weaknesses that you have. You can't just do it all the time. And you've got to hide that. And you have places where you, you hide things and you do stuff that's broken. And that's the very place that God wants to live in and come near to us. When you are weak, His strength is made perfect. He's the only one who really is fully strong. I love the, the, the New Living Translation version of Psalm 84, 5. It says this, it says, What joy for those, that's the blessed R phrase, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And I love that. That's what the pilgrimage part of that means. Jerusalem for them was a metaphor. It, was, it represented a city of refuge, a city of peace. They were on their way to this spot. They were looking forward in faith to what was coming, to what is to come. So what joy, blessed are those who have their minds set towards God, whose strength is in you. It's, it's what that really means for us. And the valley is a place that can lead us towards joy. But we tend to walk away from God when these when things go wrong or don't work out. Being a Christ follower is not supposed to look like that. God didn't promise that every circumstance would work out. I mean, just look at the Christmas story. It's encouraging and not all at the same time because we see God specifically working in their lives, but their circumstances went crazy. They were all over the place. They were struggling. It was hard. You know, culture would have shunned them. They they had to move. They had to escape death and destruction. People were after them, trying to find their son to kill him. It threw their life into chaos. I'm sure it was hard. We really need to be the ones that say, I don't have it all together. That's really what a Christ follower is all about, to say, I am broken. There's something deeply messed up in me. I need a Savior. We've come to that place of faith saying, I need him. I can't do it on my own. Without him, I'm nothing. I am lost. I'm I'm going towards destruction and death. He's the only one that can save me. That's not easy to do. Because we want to be like, I, 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 we think, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be successful. I'm supposed to be, I should know what I'm doing, right? I should know where I'm going. It should be working out all the time. But that's not promised to us. And God says, there's another joy that comes in the valley. And this is hard for you and I because the valley doesn't say any of those statements of being happy or successful or we know or we're confident. We feel ashamed many times in the valley. We want to pull back. Things didn't happen the way you wanted it to. Your health plummeted or you didn't get that job or your job was not what you thought it would be or you, your marriage is struggling or you're not in a relationship or the election didn't go your way or There's many things. God wants you to know him more during these times. It's the very place and the time where you need to lean in. Jesus longs. He's he's not afraid of the hardest things in you. He's not afraid of the brokenness in you that, that you hide from others. He can handle all of it. And that's why you see God saying, I will be with you. I will be with you. The angels came and they talked about his name. He shall be called Emmanuel from from Isaiah hundreds of years before and prophesying specifically about Christ and all that was fulfilled out of that. It said he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so we're learning to engage him. And this is what brings us joy. I love this. Listen to Jesus's words. I, I talked about the Beatitudes earlier. Here's a couple of them. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you. Happy are you. That doesn't make sense. He says, per- perse- they, People who persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Meaning, to, to following Christ will bring these types of things. He says, Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. He also said in the same message, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are those who mourn. That's the opposite of what we think. God says, there is a deeper joy that comes from things that we want to push away from. It is an opportunity for you to experience him in a way that you've never experienced him before. And honestly, we need it. And what we do and what I do is I chase comfort. We chase drink. We chase entertainment. We chase different things. And none of those things are bad in themselves. But we're seeking these things out to try to make us happy, to make us find joy. And it's not happening and our culture overall right now, because of everything that's been happening, is struggling. We know this deeply. And we say as Christ followers, we have an answer, a strength and a joy that we can find in Him. And if you find yourself struggling, read through the Psalms and see how they did, they did too. And they poured out to God. He longs to come near to you To find your joy in Him. My current circumstances may be in the valley. If so, seek His strength. My heart may be anxious, but my mind is focused on Him. My soul may be aching, but my mind is focused on Him. My emotions may be racing, but my mind is fixed and focused on Him. He is the one that I can find my strength. And this is a place of faith. This is a place of faith because you may not believe this. This may not seem real, but you have the opportunity to seek this out and experience that in Him. What? Joy for those who find their strength in Him. And the second thing for you, we, we love to find a God on the mountaintop, but we experience Him intimately in the valleys. And then joy, I've already kind of said this pretty, pretty loudly, but joy comes from God's strength. Joy comes from God's strength. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage, pilgrimage to Jerusalem. what i love is when you look at the early church so jesus was born he was here he lived life with people for 30 years before he began his ministry and then for 3 years began to engage and lead others and live life with them in joy and in sorrow we see all of that happening and then he kept talking about this death that was coming and then that happened and they didn't believe it they all scattered they were torn apart but then he rose from the grave and everything changed. And they had an unbelievable joy and hope. that was unshakable. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the, the church took off. Also, just like Jesus said it was. And the early church, Christ followers all over the world were known for their joy. Culture wrote about them. They studied them as they were going to their deaths and talked about the peace that they had in those moments. Roman emperors talked about how they were outclassing them (laughs) and how they loved the city. They were known for their joy. Yet crazy, they suffered greatly, like an unreal way. They suffered immensely. How in the world can this be? That doesn't make sense. Listen to this. Listen to these words of the early church. This is from the earliest writings we have. This is like 15 years to to 20 years at the most after Jesus' resurrection. Listen to this. This is found in 1 Corinthians, the letter to them. It says, We are ignored, even though we are well-known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always Have joy. What an unreal statement. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. That's a foundation. That goes beyond any circumstance. Jesus never promised that you wouldn't go through a valley or hardship. In fact, he said, you will have trouble. We saw earlier, because of following him, you will. But he promised you'd never have to go through the valley of love. In fact, he said, But take heart because I've overcome the world. That's a joy. There's a joy to be experienced in the times that we want to push away from and just make it through. But God says, No, 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 no. That's the very time to engage me. So enjoy God on the mountain, but get to know him in the valley. You want to seek his strength. You're you fix your mind and your gaze on Him. As Christ's followers say, we don't have it all together. The starting point with Christ is acknowledging that there's a deeper brokenness in us, that we need Him. And what's amazing is, is He gives us His righteousness and longs to come beside us in these times. Because of Jesus, we, we know that we can have joy in all Things, And you are invited into this incredible relationship with him. So this Christmas season, how can you engage him? How can you begin to focus your gaze upon him? Maybe you read through Psalm 84. Begin to seek him out. Find times to make springs in the valleys. If you're visiting family over the next week and it gets a little crazy, just go to the bathroom and just make like, like, like do something and get away and focus on him. Like there's just it's hard, right? There's times where it feels impossible. It's a weird example, sorry. <laughs> he longs to come near us. Your brokenness wants to push you away from him. We feel it. But let's step out in faith and trust him and experience this like we never have before. Our cities need this. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your words to us, your words of encouragement, that we can have great joy. And it's not a fake joy. It's real. We say, yeah, we have a joy in you. And it goes beyond anything else that we typically experience. And I pray that we would have the faith to believe in you and trust you. I pray for those that are struggling today, that are focused on the circumstances that they would find the peace and the foundation that comes from turning our gaze off of that and, and focusing our minds and hearts on you. Jesus, I declare today that you are the greatest that we can pursue. You are my hope. You are our hope. We declare that today. We give you glory for what you have done. I thank you that you are God that is with us. We need you, Father. We thank you for this year that we've had. We thank you for your provision for this space to gather as a family. Father, we recognize that we need you. We give you glory. We thank you. We give you praise. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.